Online Broadcast Network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Buzzers, and welcome to the first after show for HBO's The Jinx, the six-episode documentary series about, as the subtitle says, the life and deaths of Robert Durst. We've got six episodes to cover, but tonight we're going to start with episode one and two, Body in the Bay and Poor Little Rich Boy. But before we dive into all that, I want to make sure all of you out there are subscribed to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash TV. You can also catch all of our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud as well. So download, subscribe, rate us, follow along, you name it. I'm Lauren Salon, and you can find me on Twitter at Lauren Salon. And I'm joined tonight by Steph Z. Steph, how's it going? It's going good. I don't know how I feel about this whole jinx. <laughs> so thing. many feelings. So many feelings. I think I'm actually drinking the Kool-Aid. <laughs> but I'm Steph Z. You guys can tweet me at I A M S T E F Z. I'll happily tweet you back. Want to know your thoughts, feelings? Yeah, seriously. Let us know what you guys think because. As you know, if you're keeping up with things, this HBO series just concluded this past Sunday, so last last yeah. week, and there's real-life stuff going on with the case. So it is a very interesting— hot topic. Yeah, hot topic, very interesting what's going on with this, and really cool to be, be able to, you know— dive into it like this. I mean... Yeah, it's really exciting, and it's kind of cool because we know what's happening, and we'll try and keep it not spoiler. Like, in case you're watching this for the first time and you don't know, we're not going to, like, tell you everything in the end, but you've probably heard in the news so that you know. So it's a very interesting after show for us. Yeah, exactly. We'll We'll keep our discussion to, you know, episodes one and two, whatever we're covering during the week, but definitely going to throw what's going on in the news and, you know, the real Right. events that have taken place into into the mix which why don't we talk about the real the real thing so the jinx was written by andrew jarecki mark smirling and zachary stewart pontier or pontier it was directed by jarecki who also directed the movie all good things which came out in 2010 with ryan gosling and kirsten dunst and that movie was inspired by you know, and based on the events of Robert Durst's life as well. So we've got Jarecki doing this movie, you know, based on true events, which, you know, fictional movie based on true events, and right. then also this documentary series. So there's a lot of different There's a lot. I would love to interview him. Right? Hey, All his, Andrew. Andrew, come on to our show. <laughs> come we join us. We want to talk to you. But yeah, like, that's just, it's just crazy. I don't think he ever thought that this would happen. Right. Like, could, oh, could you imagine that you want to make this documentary 
about this story that you don't know is true. You, you have your own because I feel like when when situations like this arise in the news or on TV, everyone kind of has their own theory. Oh, yeah. Theories might be very similar, but you have your own personal experiences that mm-hmm. you tie to theories. So that's what this filmmaker did. Then to eventually get a call from the man himself, Robert Durst, to kind of be like, you're the only one that's kind of legit that I'll talk to. Yeah, I thought I thought that was insane watching that. You know, he's he just made the movie. And what he says in, I think, episode one or or two, actually, he goes, you know, I wanted to make a movie that Durst would watch and have an emotional reaction to. And then. Durst ends up calling him and is like, oh, I think, hey, I want, I want you to interview me. Yeah. To get my story out there, which seems so bizarre. I mean, I don't know why he did that. <laughs> I know. And, and I feel like, I mean, as much as I don't think this man has a conscience, maybe I do think he does. I don't know. But <laughs> I feel it like somewhere deep, deep, deep inside him, he needed to voice he he needed to say something. Yeah, he, I mean, as we have seen with kind of his own words, too, Durst's own words, you know, he's kind of a control freak to a certain extent. Yes. Like with his relationship with his wife, Kathy, you know, very much the dominant one and kind of called all the shots, which he, he said. So, you know, I think seeing the public's reaction or, you know, how people might take it from the movie or the news, he wanted to tell his tell his own story and, you yeah. know. Used to being able to get his way and do whatever he wants, I guess. But yeah, for for those of you who don't totally know or aren't completely up to speed, Robert Durst, he's 71 years old at this point, and he is a member of one of the wealthiest New York real estate families like ever, you know, very powerful, rich real estate family. And he's been in the news related to a string of murders or deaths, I guess, since the early 80s. So in 1982, his wife Kathy disappeared, and she's presumed to have been murdered by him is kind of the consensus. But since no body was ever found, there's no official death. You know, she could still just be a missing person or could be alive somewhere. Highly unlikely, in my opinion. But yeah, unlikely, <laughs> but possible. Possible. That's the thing. It's possible. And if I was her... I don't with with somebody that powerful and that she's that scared of. I don't know if you'd want to come forward and be like, "No, I'm alive. I'm okay. I'm alive." I don't know that I would want to come forward, but I unless her friends cuz cuz we see in episode 2 that her friends do a pretty extensive search. They mm-hmm. almost make their own case out of right. it. So I I might tell so I don't know if I, probably, I would disconnect with every. I don't know exactly. if I would be in the I don't correct think mind I would, frame to disconnect and, and cut from your parents, all my from ties. your family. No, unless I don't think they're so. all just lying. Yeah, no, she's dead. I think she's dead. I, for sure, I don't she's dead. I think she's dead. I, I want to find her. <laughs> Let's go. Kathy, no. where are you? And then in 2000, his who he calls his best friend, um, uh, or no, I'm sorry. His best friend at the time, writer Susan Berman, she was killed execution style in her house in Beverly Hills. And that is actually, he was just arrested last week, I think on the 15th, he was arrested for and charged with her murder. So that's what's going on in the news right now. They finally got some sort of new evidence that connects him with her murder that prompted an arrest. I think I could be totally wrong here. And it's a real big spoiler, should I not? 
I mean, I don't know. I think. I feel like the biggest thing that's happening is that they discovered something from this documentary as the new evidence to why they think. I feel like, I don't want to tell mm-hmm. the exact details, but what I've heard read was he was still mic'd when he went to the restroom. Right. So that's, yes. isn't that what kind yes. of led so in them the, in the to, conclusion, okay. there's a big kind of spoiler thing, which... To be honest, like, could be conclusive, but it could yeah. also be him just, like, running through things verbally out loud. You know, it, could, it may not say anything. Right. But they, it's not like they just finished filming this last week and then they arrested him. So, actually, his, so he was arrested on the 14th. The finale was on the 15th for the show. And his lawyers say that they timed the arrest to coincide with the finale of the show to raise a bunch of publicity around it to really have this big like publicity parade essentially so that's what his lawyers are claiming they you know maybe they had this evidence but they waited to go after him for that's crazy yeah that's insane if you have the evidence you're not going to wait to well, time it with a freaking tv show well the only <laughs> yeah true but I also – and then that actually makes me believe that he knew what he was saying and it was true. If they're going to go through that extent, then whatever he said when he was mic'd, he was aware of saying it. So, right. You know. But also I feel like – I don't know what happens when you do a documentary with le- with legalities. So if I'm interviewing mm-hmm. you and I have to sign a confidentiality agreement until something airs, it's almost like – or, or is it, or is it not? I don't know if you guys yeah. out there know. Is it kind of like a lawyer, like client right. privilege? Well, because where his, they, go ahead. Well, his lawyers obviously approved of him to do the show right. and get and they, questioned and stuff, and to have it air. So I'm I don't sure know. They if, had to see it, see it before it got aired. I'm sure there was the, some stipulation. Yeah, the thing like with that. it, I don't know if you know. Maybe he signs a release in the beginning. That's like whatever you guys end up filming. Good, run with it. Or if they did watch it at the end and know. have to we approve should. it, because that ends up being really fishy if they had to watch it you know had had sign off privileges at the right. end to be like yep looks good because if it was really incriminating for him they wouldn't say yeah looks good air it you know so part of me feels like maybe there was some agreement that like whatever comes of these yeah. this these I sessions w- is legitimate and can be used yeah i would think that i mean if you have evidence to a murder i would think Andrew Jarecki, or I don't know, I don't know if I'm saying his yeah, name right, yeah. um, would somewhat have to call the Put police that forward. and yeah. say, I'm think... doing this interview and <laughs> this is what happened. What am I supposed to do? Yeah, like, the I, whole I, situation seems a little bit well, confusing. I feel, I would think how that works. I, I don't know legitimately how it works, but I would think that during the filming process, if something came up, they had to be very much in communication with the police, I would think, because there's no way they like air it on TV and they're like, surprise, there you go, new evidence, you saw it on HBO. So I feel like they must be communicating with the police because, because on the other hand, you know, I, Jarecki did say like he wanted to find truth out about this. And if the truth could potentially be that Durst did in fact kill these people. And if in, you know, he's got Jarecki as like a good filmmaker and stuff and, and doing this kind of investigative documentary series, he has to be prepared if he does find something that could be helpful for the investigations to then know who he should talk to and when he needs to do that. Cause I would think it's very possible that he could have uncovered something that helps the case. So, yeah. so I would think he's in communication with with people about that for sure because i feel i feel like this is the first 
of of this style in which the uh, you know accused is free and they're doing a story about the you know, right. like, like I don't know another situation where it's you know it's still up in the air of what might happen exactly. to the accused and they're doing this you know true story because it could be fabricated for television to make a better show, but yet, you know, there's so many fine lines to walk with oh, this. Yeah. And I feel like Andrew Drecke, he made a lot of good choices. There are a lot of decisions in making this. And, and from what everything that I've seen so far, the choices were all solid choices to, to, be truthful and, yeah. and also be entertaining. Right. It's entertaining and feels very truthful and not like sensationalized in yeah. any way. You know, I, I feel like they did an incredible job of un- unveiling a lot and keeping yeah. some mystery, but also being straightforward yeah. about what's going on. Um, yeah. And so then the third murder that he is linked to is the, um, in 2001, he was acquitted of move, murdering his friend in Galveston, Texas, his neighbor, Morris Black. Black. So he admitted to dismembering him. So cutting off his legs, arms, head, and then putting them in trash bags and throwing him into Galveston Bay, but claims that he killed him in self-defense, that they were fighting over a gun and it discharged and that's how he died. And the jury believed it. So he was acquitted, which... Is unbelievable, but at the same time, I will say, like, you know, when it's a one-on-one situation like that and the other person dies and you claim self-defense, it's going to be kind of hard to take anyone else's word for it, you know? Yeah, but it's it's self-defense, I would think, and I know that this is not the thought process of somebody like Robert Durst, I would think that if me, say me and you got into a fight, Mm -hmm. and you were going after a gun, and instead I took the gun from you and shot and killed you in self-defense, I think once I realized you were dead, my next move would be call the police. Right, you probably wouldn't chop my body up and throw it into a bay. Remember that saw that I bought at the hardware store, that bow saw? Let me go get that. Yeah. And let me cut you up. Yeah. Because that in itself... I get that maybe somebody can, I'm trying to put myself into like a crazy place and I get that maybe he could be so pissed that you would try or, you know, Morris would try and hurt me. So I'm going to cut you up and make you like shooting you is Mm -hmm. too easy for you. But that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and I think, which we probably will see later in other episodes, you know, he had been so under the microscope for Kathy's disappearance, for his wife's disappearance that appearance in the 80s and it brought so much like negative attention to his family which was a very you know like i said prominent family in new york that he wanted to just like make it disappear i guess you know and was terrified or something but yeah but that's how actually episode one opens up with finding the body parts floating in the bay a poor the teenage kid found it oh yeah and that one detective is like well i had to stick my hand into his chest plate and grab his breastbone and pull out the torso i can't Uh, (laughs) cannot even imagine you know what i can't imagine i mean i guess i would what does that look like? A torso with yeah, just a torso. Like a but that's been right. But that's just been in the water for so long. Right. How well, they, do you they, know? Up oh, torso. 
Yeah, they showed pictures of the hands after yeah. they had pulled them out. I saw that. And they didn't, I mean, aside from a few of the fingers looking That's, a little mangled up, they were pretty intact, yeah. like not too water bloated. So Yeah, and for you guys out there that are, are considering watching the show or hearing this and haven't watched the show, just be warned. Some of the pictures are a little graphic. Yeah. You legit see cut leg yeah. flesh. Ooh. Yep, yep. Yeah, pretty graphic. And, I mean, the whole subject matter, like, in general, is pretty disturbing. And, you know, watching Durst talk about all this stuff on camera is just very creepy. Very it's creepy. It's creepy, but the thing that's... <laughs> this is crazy. The thing that... Not that it scares me, but the thing that gets me the most is, like I was saying earlier, it's almost like I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little mm-hmm. bit. It's almost like I'm hearing him saying some things and I'm thinking mm, that could be logical his well, thought process I, I, he's really smart right and that's something that I think it's interesting because there are those moments watching him speak that you're like oh that's legitimate and he actually sounds very normal when he's saying that or you know oh I get that like normal way of thinking about it you know and times when you can tell that he is definitely a very intelligent man but then there are also very stupid things like him driving around in his car like goes to pick up his the way they caught him is they went to the eyeglass store where he had like a receipt to go pick up his glasses and they they find him in the back of his car he's got the saw and like all the receipts and stuff so things like that that are just really dumb slip-ups you know where i would think like this really smart man who is clearly trying to cover his tracks by chopping up the body in the first place, you know, why does he still have the freaking saw with him? Come on. Yeah, I I feel (laughs) as though there's a statistic that a criminal usually makes eight mistakes or ten mistakes or so, there there's, there's some we'll look number. It up. Yeah, yeah, we'll look it up for you guys next week. Or if you guys know, feel free to, you know, comment and let us know. But yeah, I'm pretty sure there's there's some statistic that every criminal makes X amount of mistakes, and yeah. that's usually how they're found. And it's not it's not the same mistakes, right? You know, but that's it's very interesting that the saw was there. Yeah. So I found I found that curious, and I did think so. Obviously, they found the receipt for the hardware store for the drop cloth, paring knives, bow saw, all that stuff that he used to chop up the body, and. I was curious, which I'm assuming they, you know, clearly the that stuff was purchased after his death. But the timing of that, you know, I would think that they I, I wanted them to kind of go into that a little bit more. The timing of that, because that would have could have concluded, obviously, if it was premeditated or not, which the court case determined that it wasn't, you know, that it was in self-defense. But I, I have that question, I guess, if those when were those things purchased? Yeah, they didn't really say yeah. But That's a good question because was the body just dead in his house and he went calmly to the right. hardware store and was like, hmm, let well, me because, buy a knife. Yeah, because they say that they the blood was going into the hallway, so into the common area and then into apartment number two. So in this apartment building, so the reason they ended up finding, which is another mistake I'm 
remembering now. So in one of the bags that Durst stuffed the body in was a piece of a newspaper that had the mailing address on it. So they go to the building that ends up being Morris's and Durst's apartment building where they're living, where Durst was living disguised as a mute woman, like full-on dress, wig, all that stuff, not speaking. The name was Dorothy Siner, I think, and that was one of his uh, high school friends. Yeah, so... Even more suspicious. Where's Dorothy Siner these days? <laughs> right? Dorothy, what are you up to? Yeah. And so that's super suspicious. And and so just stuff like that, like not cleaning out, you know, not cleaning out the trash and making sure nothing's going to link it back. Like, like stupid mistakes that I feel like if you're really trying to hide it that you're going to cover up. Well, I feel like some of the psyche, and again, I'm just assuming this, that some of the psyche in someone that actually might be able to do these things is that almost they're above the law. And what I mean by that is that they don't, they can't fathom getting caught. Right. So some of those little like mistakes. very narcissistic, yeah. Yeah, some of those little mistakes. I mean, because, you know, in the, I believe it was the first episode, you know, we, we talk about, and I know I'm jumping a little bit here, That's but okay. we talk about you know, how he comes from one of the wealthiest families in mm-hmm. New York City, but yet he also gets picked up because he goes and steals a, a sand- hoagie, yeah. but he's got thirty grand, or $38,000 in cash yeah, in the in car. in his car and so, 600 bucks in his pocket. So yes. Stuff like that. Like, Yeah, it, it, to him it just doesn't, it doesn't occur that the laws apply to him right. or something. Right, and it was... And so, and hearing him talk about that, because that was in episode one, you know, he, he skipped bail for his arraignment hearing for Morris Black's death and goes to, you know, goes up to Pennsylvania and steals a sandwich when he's got all that money, which to me, I'm like, and I'm sure everyone involved in the case, why did he do that? Was he in, did he want to get caught? Because that seems like something, if you've got the money in your pocket, you don't do that when you're trying to run away anyway. So it's, yeah. it's just so bizarre. The only thing that I could think of is that he didn't want to be seen and he didn't want to make eye contact with people. So right. he was like, I'm just going to grab the sandwich and I'm out of yeah. here. And at one point but he says, still. like, I wanted to see if I could do it, I guess. Yeah. You're like, okay, weirdo. Mm. Maybe like not when you're wanted for murder if you'd want to stay hidden. <laughs> Yeah. But but again, what you're saying, you know, where he feels like he's above the law and not to stereotype people with money or anything like that. But coming from a family that is that powerful and has that much money, you know, he, I'm sure, is used to getting a lot of things his way, if not because of the power, but maybe for for paying for them or buying people off, what whatever, yeah. you know. Or like we see, I believe, in the first episode that. If he does get in trouble, he has the funds to be bailed out. Exactly. Oh, yeah. When they're like, oh, well, 250 grand, you know, that's going to be bail. And he's like, do you have that? He's like, oh, not on me. Yeah. But because to him, you know, to him, it's not. It's it's exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. That's like face value for him. For him, I don't have that on me because two hundred fifty thousand dollars for him is like no fifty bucks for one of yeah. us. You know, so it's like it's, he doesn't. It doesn't occur to him that that's a lot of money, or it doesn't occur that that's a high consequence versus a low consequence because to him, two hundred fifty thousand dollars, five hundred thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars, it's all attainable. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, living is, in a, a very different world and playing by different rules, and he's right. like. Yeah, pushing the boundaries of that. Uh, what did what did you think about the interview with his current wife, Deborah? 
I am from New York, so I thought this woman was New York to the T. Oh, yeah. I mean, she was so just blunt. And yeah, she's like, what? I was in Long Island. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Yeah, she was, was... Galveston. I don't know what Galveston is. She was so... <laughs> over it in a sense yeah and it wasn't she wasn't sticking up for him she wasn't throwing him under the bus she wasn't giving information but she wasn't withholding information right. she was just kind of there yeah it, it was like a, a wall I, I thought it was so bizarre for one that somebody married him anyway with all the stuff that he's been involved in but especially hey, his ex-wife is like people out there if you are in love with somebody <laughs> and the previous person they were with has been missing never found <laughs> come on that's a big yeah, red maybe flag. like and a yeah, red big flag red flag doesn't mean the carnival coming even if coming. they have a million billion dollars see that i don't know but i feel like his wife no. did, it didn't seem like she was the well she didn't even remember their wedding date when they're like when did, when were you yeah. married and she's like um but it didn't seem like she was the materialistic type that was using him for no, money she the, looked like the new yorker Deborah? that was just like what's up no i see i have a very strong feeling and who knows if this will ever be revealed or it could be a mystery i I feel like it's a very intentional that she is married to him. You know, I feel like he's she's his like beard, crime beard in a sense. You know, like his that she knows something a lot more than she's telling. She killed Kathy. And, is that what you think? No, no. Okay. <laughs> but I think there's very clearly some sort of arrangement between the two of them, and she knows more, and she's like getting paid to keep quiet, and because. If you, yeah. with spousal privilege, so if you're married to somebody, they cannot testify against you in court, I believe, to a certain extent. They so, don't, yes, yeah, I so believe that's true. If she knows something more about what's gone on with either Morris Black's death or with Kathy's disappearance, being married means she can't testify against him. And so I feel like there's something, you know, something else there that she's because they they're like living separate lives too like how often was he in galveston and she's like oh i didn't know where he was going like what was he saying he was doing and then when susan berman was murdered we find out he that was around christmas time and they weren't together you know and that was their first christmas together so just weird stuff you know right yeah they weren't a happily Married. Yeah, so who knows? I feel like it's such life. an arrangement, you know, or Yeah, no, I'm with a you. Very on that intentional one. and strategic and marriage. It, it felt very weird the phone call we hear him calling her for the two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. He had to be there in the morning. You know, yeah. it was very it wasn't uh transactional. Empathic. Yeah. Yeah, there was no feeling there. Right. It was like, Okay, you got yourself in trouble, you need this, okay. And she was giving him the money even though it was probably his money. Right. So. Yeah, and even more when they're talking, and she's talking about, like, the lawyers and stuff, and, and even about her his brother, Douglas, you know, she's like, oh, Douglas screwed you out of your inheritance, and he's to blame for everything bad that's in your life, because you didn't get to, you know, run the company, all this stuff, you know, there's definitely some, like, bitterness there, and... She was very involved, like, in, you know, telling him to fire his previous lawyer because it was Douglas had hired him, you know, and, and so it just, which, which is, those are just 
like three phone calls out of how many right. calls they had while he was in prison. But it's also different from what we see in the relationship with Kathy that he so much seems like he's in control of and calls the shots. Like right. she is calling some of yeah. the shots and saying, you need to fire this one. Yes, he's meeting her halfway in the middle and then, you know, eventually we see he gets two lawyers, the one he wanted and the one she right, wanted. But yeah, I definitely think for, there's... For $1.8 million. Yeah. Fun, we'll get both. Jump change. <laughs> But um, I definitely think there is some sort of... It did a kind of irk me, that conversation where she was talking about the brother and he stole the inheritance. It's, you know, when he, he called and said he was in jail for murder, there was no expression. And then, you know, I would think if I called my spouse and was said that I was accused of murder, they wouldn't be like, oh, your brother screwed you out of money, your money. Yeah. There would be some empathy or some... It was almost like, oh, murder again. Okay, yeah, I'll like, get the um, money. Damn it. So matter of Bobby. fact. That's how she was. Robert, she was so matter of getting fact. Getting in trouble again. Yeah. yeah. Very matter of fact. And and I think with it's interesting to see those clips with the with Douglas too, with his brother and saying, you know, he didn't you know, he was afraid of Robert and yeah. um didn't you know, ended up hiring a bodyguard and like to protect him and his family because once he he skipped bail that he was worried he was going to come after him and yeah. and that you know Robert had threatened to kill him and stuff and right. and I love how glib Robert is when they're like so why did you why would um Douglas be afraid of you and he's like I don't know he's a pussy I'm like I know. Oh, this I'm- guy it was kind of amazing when he said that. Yeah, I'm like, this guy's not taking this seriously. Or man, but he know. was. Like, he was, but he wasn't. He was answering all the questions, just how he felt with a straight yeah. face. I yeah. don't know. I don't know, man. I kind of, I don't know what I believe. I know. it's there's There's a lot there. Because in those moments, you know, when he's like, why would your brother... When they're asking him, why would he be afraid of you? And he seems very like, oh, I have no idea. You know, those those pieces do seem believable. He's, he says everything so, like, deadpan. You know, it's yeah. all the same expression and all the same tone that and some of we it don't know. is a little bit logical. Mm-hmm. Some of it's delusional. Got it. But some of it is a little bit logical. So you're like, hmm, well, maybe. Right. Exactly. I know. That's kind of terrifying. Yeah. And so episode one ends with talking about all good things. Jarecki's, you know, fictional but based on reality movie. And he, like I said in the beginning, you know, wanted to make a movie that Durst would have an emotional reaction to. And then Durst calls them. I I still think it's so bizarre that he offered, you know, approached them about doing the interview. And that's how episode two, Poor Little Rich Boy, opens up with... You know, him saying he wanted to present his story and his version that the media had not been showing. And I think I think that reasoning is totally fair. Right. You know, if you're getting slaughtered in the media and we all know how much the media can shape public opinion, even when it's not accurate, you know, when they take one little crumb and run with it and get everyone to think one way when maybe later evidence comes out to say something completely different, you know, media can like set something on fire from just a spark. And so I get that he wants to share his side and have somebody who is sympathetic in a sense to his story, which have you, have you watched all good things? No, I haven't. Okay. Watch it. I don't, here's the thing. I'm sorry, but I don't think it's that great of a movie, but (laughs) when you watch it, knowing all of this, because the first time I had watched it, I didn't know 
about the Durst case. It was like a year ago or something right. when I watched it. And then I watched it again in the past week. And it's very interesting to watch knowing what's going happening. on in real life and what did actually happen. Very interesting. And, but I wouldn't necessarily say that it paints him in all that sympathetic of a light. I think it is, the movie does kind of position Durst or Durst's character in the movie as the killer. So, so I don't know. I thought I thought it was an interesting choice, and you know why he reached out to Jarecki to do that is still very yeah. curious to me. Yeah, I mean that's why I say somewhere deep, 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 deep down inside of him, there's a conscience. Yeah, that I feel like wanted to. He wanted someone. I mean, you got you got to think about this guy. This guy, and he even said it. He had all the money in the world. He yeah. couldn't spend so the money, and he was so sad. So he's somewhere looking for that validation, mm-hmm. or I don't know if validation is a word, but he's looking for something to fill that void, some sort of emptiness. So yeah. he could see this movie and be like this. You know, Drecky actually cares about me or can feel a care. Yeah. You know, there, there, there's a weird thing that happens, and that's probably, you know, one of the reasons why he calls because he finally felt some weird some, yeah, sense someone, of belonging mm-hmm. or some space where he was validated to be something because he felt so hopeless and, and, and you know, like yeah. you have oh. to feel that way. Totally, totally get that. And yeah. and we end up in episode two learning a lot more about his life, like yeah. his early childhood and stuff. And this next thing. So he, his Ooh. dad, when he is seven years old, I believe. Yeah, seven yep. years old. His dad gets him out of bed. He's the oldest of four kids and gets him out of bed and brings him to the windows to see his mom standing on the roof of their big fancy house, waves to her and then like, okay, back to bed. And then she commits suicide, jumps off the roof. They claim she fell, whatever. No, jumped off the roof, committed suicide. And as I'm watching that, I felt like that was such a like sadistic thing for his father to do. I, On the one hand, I get him... As a father, Seymour Durst wanting his son to like have one last moment maybe with your no, mother, but you, you don't do that? that. I mean, I don't completely, but like maybe I don't know. These guys have are so bizarre. Like, why do you do that? Like, I feel like it's such crazy. a twisted thing to do. Number one, again, if my spouse was on the roof, wouldn't you be trying to get her? Jump com- off it, I would call the police. Yeah, that's what I'm like. Why is he? Get why is he getting the kids out to have their final goodbye and not like going out Honey, on the roof to try and get roof. her or talk her down? It just seems so weird. So weird that situation. Do you think that's true though? Do you think that's how well, it happened? I, I guess. So I think that Durst. So Robert had said that he watched his mom jump off. But I think that part later, Douglas, the other brother, said was not true. I think he did, in fact, bring him out to see her standing there, but right. that didn't see he didn't see her fully, you know, jump off or fall off. But who does that to their kid? Like who did, does did that? Seymour who maybe think did he maybe think if he if she sees her son, she'll come off the roof or something like that's like the only way I can but then really you think communicate it. Like, it you say honey yeah, you look don't at just boy here you can't do you don't this just like him. wave to mommy and it wasn't Ugh. even like mommy was looking it didn't no. look like, that was just so, so bizarre. bizarre and the fact that that's all we see 
of the dad so far, and we know that that is part of building this empire and then giving this empire maybe to the other brother, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And that's all we see of their interaction. Yeah, that to me is, uh, of course, this kid's gonna have some issues later in life. Yeah, and oh. I, but not even that. There's got to be something genetically in this kid because look at the father that he came from that would even do something like right. that. Yeah, Whew. it's yeah. So that I uh, so awful. Like I can't even imagine why you would do that but then we learn a bit about kathy and bob's relationship and how he was like such a prince charming and all this stuff but you know that people he also said people didn't most people didn't get along with him and there was clear tension between kathy's family and bob you know he never wanted to really interact with them always felt like i think he even quotes himself saying like bob is forced to spend time with the average american family and really like does not view them as equals in any way which is really weird because if you notice a lot of times he talks about himself in third person yeah which is kind of creepy yeah he's not like well i didn't really want to go over there because i felt like i didn't have a lot of stuff in common with these people it was bob felt like he had to go have dinner with the average american family and have conversation it's like (laughs) where are you like connect here yeah so he just Really weird. And and part of, like, their relationship seems, you know, the the early parts of it, I guess, before, like, all the physical and, and emotional and verbal abuse was going on. You know, they moved to Vermont and opened a health food store, and they, like, had this simple life that they really liked. And he even says, you know, he didn't want to get into the family business, but he felt like, you know, his dad kind of said he should do that, and he felt like it was his family duty to do that so they moved back to the city and he he didn't want to and not to obviously say that's like a reason for you know make make the most of your situation buddy but it does seem like i part of me wonders like oh if he they had just stayed there like would they have had a happy life if they'd stayed with their little health food store i mean clearly his family I mean, for somebody like this, I don't know. I'm sure there's a lot of stuff about mental health that, you know, neither one of us are, you know, know that much right, about. Right, you right, know, right. we're not psychiatrists or psychologists. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm sure from his childhood and his situation, there is a lot of harm to his mental stability. Mm-hmm. So going back there could have tipped him over if he felt that he was strong enough to get out of this situation and then was pulled back into it by this person right. that he didn't want to do for because this person he knows subconsciously is the one that kind of screwed him up and did things like have him go watch no. his mom commit suicide. I could see how that really could screw with you, though. Yeah, totally. And and I think one of the things, like like you're saying, him getting kind of put into back thrown back into the city essentially you know in the first episode one of the detectives says you know he i don't think he kills for the thrill of it and i don't think he takes pleasure in it but if you back him into a corner and threaten his freedom right he'll kill you and so i th- I thought that like obviously we don't have all the facts but like that seemed to sum it up so well i think and i think the move to new york is like this kind of the end of the life that he wanted for himself right you know and so in new york you know he ends up working for the family business didn't want to do that and ends up becoming essentially very much more controlling and domineering and abusive to kathy and on the night of her disappearance you know they had been arguing and stuff and the doorman for the their apartment say 
you know, he said that he saw her go in and then she called the next day to say she wasn't going to medical school. And and Bob even claimed that he put her on the train to go back to the city and everything like that. But then she's never heard of again and told one of her friends, if anything ever happens to me, you need to look into it because I'm terrified of Bob, essentially. You know, I think I think he'll do he'll kill me as pretty much what she said, which. You know, then we then we see later that her friends, you know, when she went missing, they start investigating right. everything and going through his trash and they find all sorts of stuff, like all of her stuff that he's getting rid of. Like he knows she's not coming back, which that thing, I didn't really go too far with that yeah. because if he thought she left him, you know, if we're playing devil's advocate, if she left him, maybe that's his way of coping. Just get rid of all her stuff. Get over right, it sort of right. thing. You know, not really. It's suspicious, but doesn't say a whole lot. But they did find that note with all the list of things that you would need to dispose of a body and the places where you would hide it, essentially. Which is crazy. Yeah. Very suspicious. Um, I also thought that it was odd that when Kathy went missing the Durst family, like Seymour Durst, the father, you know, that he didn't decline to interview and decline to really help with finding her. You know, they've got all these resources. They have connections with, like, politicians and important people in New York, tons of money. You would think that they would, like, put out all the stops to try and find their son's missing wife, and they, like, did nothing. Which leads me to believe that either the father knew I feel like they didn't like Kathy. The family didn't yeah, like or approve of poor. Kathy. But I would think, too, and this is so crazy for me to even say, but I'm thinking it, so I'm going to say <laughs> it. I would think if I had that much money and I was that crazy, that I would hire someone to do my dirty work. Agreed. So I don't understand. I mean, so there is some but sort maybe of he thrill. Did, is I the don't thing. know. Where Since is Since we she? don't know where Kathy is, we and they didn't find a body. Whoever did that did a damn good job of getting There's rid of her. Part of me that thinks that she's her. somewhere. Oh. I don't know why. Because if I if I was in a terrible relationship and I was going to get out and I was thinking of all my tracks to be retraced i would definitely the day before i'm leaving tell somebody right if you don't see me it's because of xyz right i I think she i think like you think that's just coincidence that the night before she said if you don't see me it's because he did something that's the only she said she's scared of him yeah yeah that's the only thing that that kind of flashes for me right. is is that if I was in a situation where I was scared of somebody or I wanted to leave, I It's feel, a good way to frame them, kind of. Right. You know? It's a good way to be like, yo, if you don't see me tomorrow, it's because you whatever. Yeah. And then when you don't see me, you're like, oh my gosh, she said it's because whatever. Yeah. But I would, I would think that she'd reconnect with her family. You know, you wouldn't want to put your family... No matter how bad he was and how powerful his family was, I don't think you'd want to put your family through that. I don't know. Mm, yeah. Yeah, so maybe I'm just too And hopeful. and he it's interesting in seeing those clips with him, you know, he's like talking about her being gone and saying, "Well, she wouldn't have missed like left medical school. Like she loved that. Like she very she clearly right. disappeared, you know, somehow." So it just seems very um, you know, very odd because in those moments he seems almost human and concerned for her. Like we saw earlier that he carries around all these photos like of his family and of Kathy and stuff like which which seems strange if you so strange. killed her or had something to do with her 
missing, you know, but at the same time, that kind of humanizes him to a certain extent. Yeah. So He's it's a all, very interesting character. It is all very. It's one very of it's one of those characters, you know, because we watch a lot of TV here. We cover movies and stuff, and it's one of those characters that I don't know that someone could write a character to do this. No. It's because it's real life. I mean, I'm sure yeah. someone could, but you know, it's very. It's very true. Well, yeah, he's the guy that yeah. people make screenplays and movies about. about yeah, you know, the, these yeah. kind of monsters, and he's. I mean, I'll, we yes, we don't know really what happened, but I I feel like he is the monster they're they're painting him to be essentially. And oh, it's so interesting to see what happened too, which is great that we'll be able to talk about this over the next few weeks yeah. and see how everything plays out as well. Yeah, exactly. I know we do we have anything else we want to dive into I and mean, we've got a, a few more minutes here. Um, I don't know. What else? I did I did think it was interest very sad the part about him forcing her to have forcing Kathy to have an abortion. You know, and and from like her journal entries or whatever, it sounds like that was something they very clearly talked about that they weren't going to have kids and she was okay with it, and that if she got pregnant, you know, that they she'd have an abortion. So it seemed like that was very clear from both parties. But then she got pregnant, and the journal entries like I didn't realize what the reality of that situation would be like, and that's right. not what I want to do anymore. And he made her go through with it. And in the interviews with him, he says. You know, I, that's when I noticed the Kathy that I used to know start changing. You know, she no longer like would do everything I said and she wanted to like be her own person essentially. (laughs) I can't believe I'm actually going to defend the guy for a minute, but I'm going to because if the agreement was to not have kids and that happened, I mean, from what he said in this, which could be lies, you you never know what's truth and what's lies in Mm -hmm. this. He pretty much said, if you want to have the baby, we're going to get divorced. He wasn't, it wasn't like he sat her down and like punched her stomach and made her have an abortion. (laughs) You know what I mean? Not to be crazy, but it wasn't like that. He gave her a choice and therefore he still didn't want, like, it's not, yes, he forced her in a way. He forced her to make a decision and she chose him. So yes, she in choosing him, she had to have an abortion. Yeah. But I don't well, know. And I actually kind of agree with you on that because it from both from her journal entries and from what he said, it seems like that was a very clear thing between yeah. the two of them. And that's where, you know, everyone watching where the, you know, title the jinx kind of comes from. He says he felt like he'd be a, a jinx to his kids. If he had kids, they'd get messed up, essentially. You know, yeah. he'd jinx them. And And so I get that. If that was something that was very clear, you know, he said, if you want to have the baby, go ahead, but we're going to divorce. If you don't, you know, if you want to stay with me, then you have to get an abortion. And that would be such a hard, I can't even like imagine what having to be put in that situation and make that sort of decision. But you're right. Like if she did wanted the wanted the kid more than more than him she could have that seemed like an option yeah and i feel like with with the title the jinx how he was saying you know he thought he would be a jinx if he had kids i is it is it the ultimate jinx of making this movie and now they're gonna find enough <laughs> gotcha. evidence and, yeah you know he's gonna get the death penalty i mean it's yeah. possible who knows Whoa! yeah insane so but, and in the same sense part of me wants to give this guy a hug I don't I just know feel why. Like, yeah. And and we'll see it later, but that is like when we see the footage from the trial in Galveston, oh, it's Ooh. so so interesting. I have so many thoughts about it, but but yeah, part it's it's very interesting how I think 
they the filmmakers have done this because they've they've done a great job of showing like all the evidence and and truths behind what happened but then also showing sides from the interviews with Durst that are are humanizing and don't make him seem like he's necessarily is the guy that yeah. that all these things have happened around. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's a true documentary style. I feel like a lot of people try to do documentaries and it turns into a docu-reality or reality mm-hmm. show type situation. And I feel like this is very well done. Yeah. And, it, and it does. It reports from a place of the middle. Mm-hmm. You, so at points, and I, I feel myself, at points I, I think one way, and then at points I think the other way, and then I talk myself back into, yeah. which I feel like is what shows like this are supposed to do it opens your brain to think of the possibilities that you don't know. Mm-hmm. So I think they're doing an amazing job on this. Oh documentary, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, completely awesome. agree. I think it's great. I mean, I've I'll, I'll let you know. I watched all of them because I I couldn't stop. But it's yeah, I think they did an excellent job. So I'm I'm excited to talk about next week's yes. episodes too. So so I think that that brings us to to the the end of it. I don't really think we have any predictions for this type of show because we yeah. we kind of I mean it's a it's a real thing that's going on. I'm very curious to see how everything's going to play out in the news because he's got um, a court hearing tomorrow. Yes. I believe so. So everyone stay tuned, read your news about this. It's very interesting stuff. Watch all good things by the other the the fictional movie by Jarecki. You know, get let us know what you think too on Twitter. We wanna we wanna hear from you. And like I said in the beginning, make sure you guys are subscribed to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash afterbuzz TV. Tune in next week. We want to hear what you guys think of the show. Tweet us. I'm Lauren Salon. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere, you name it, at Lauren Salon. That's S-A-L-A-U-N stuff. And uh, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, at I-A-M-S-T-E-F-Z. Also, if you guys want to hashtag tweet us at ABTV the Jinx, that way we can keep the conversation going. Actually, that's just ABTV Jinx. Oh, oh, not the. Sorry. AB, <laughs> Jinx. Oh. ABTV Jinx. Um, we'd love to keep the conversation going. I'm sure we've missed things that you guys want to talk oh, about. Yeah. So let us know. We'll respond to you. And um, until next week, I guess. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals. 